Welcome to the EFC Podcast. Every year, the National March for Life brings thousands of pro-life Canadians to the nation's capital for a rally and a march. This year, the event was met with even more highly organized counter-protests. You can be deeply pro-life, but it still requires some level of courage to march around so publicly and in the face of pretty outspoken opposition. I'm Karen Stiller, and this year I was curious about what makes some of the marchers come back year after year and participate in this event. I spoke to several of them and heard a little bit of their stories and why they believe abortion is not a great choice for anyone. Okay, great. So are you from Ottawa? Toronto. Toronto. So you came today for the March for Life? Yes. And uh, can I ask how old you are? I'm 25. Oh, 25. Okay. So what, is this your first March for Life? No, it's my fifth or sixth. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, so what brings you back so often? The witness of seeing everybody because sometimes it seems like we're all alone in this when we go into the workplace but to come here is just so powerful to see so many people yeah and why if you can sum up um in a line or two why are you pro-life that's a good question <laughs> it's a really loaded question um just because i think that our whole culture just really needs to come back to just the fundamental of what it means to be a human okay. yeah and um, what do you expect to happen today? Like, there's been talk of a counter march. Are you feeling safe? Are you looking forward to it? You know what? It, it's things like this that bring the, the reality of the battle between good and evil. So to see the, the counter march, is, I find it really interesting, actually. Yes, I feel safe. Um, even if we were outnumbered, we, we aren't outnumbered. We are, we're never outnumbered in the March for Life, but even if we were, it just makes it the reality, the spiritual reality, really clear between good and evil. So, so you are wearing a T-shirt that says Pro-Life All In, which I actually haven't seen before. What does it mean? Well, it means that, uh, from what I understand from the founder and when the person I bought the T-shirt from about five minutes ago, uh, <laughs> as I understand, the intent is that that's a slogan for this year's march. Okay. And it yep. intends that there's no compromises, no lack of commitment, not holding anything back, uh, no reservations. The idea is what we seek is uh, is a pro-life country and nothing okay. less than that. And so, how have you always been pro-life? I have not always been pro-life. Okay, tell me about what made you change your position on abortion. Uh, it was probably a gradual process. My eyes had to get revealed to the truth my own way, I suppose. Uh, okay. For me, it was it was a thought that I was the master of my own body and we also be the masters of our own decisions. And uh, as I started to realize that we actually serve a greater purpose here on Earth as individuals and that we're not ultimately in control, that uh, I started to realize that, well, when babies uh, happen, they're not something we get to just wish away because we want to live ourselves a different way. So I think, as, as Mother Teresa said it best, if uh, it's a poverty that we, we would kill someone just to live a certain way, in our own way. So I, I much prefer uh, the fact that my eyes are woken up now and my life is not my own. a sign that says women need love not abortion can you tell me what's behind that sign and why you have it on yeah because um most people like well i shouldn't say most but some people who go through abortion they're like um 
in bad situations or something. So they just need like love and help through those situations. And like, I mean, it may not always be easy, and you shouldn't always take like the easy way out. And yeah, they just need love and help. Yeah. Can I ask how old you are? You look young. Are you a teenager? Yeah, I'm 14. Okay. Wow. And have you always been pro-life? Do you? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so is does faith play a part in that for you? Or? Yeah. I'm a Christian and I strongly believe that like, you know, we should spread the word of God and stuff. And do your friends all agree with you or is this... Um, I came from a Christian school, but recently I've moved to a Catholic school, so it's not, uh, not everyone believes that this, like, should be going on, but everyone back at my old school do. Well, thank you. Thanks for having So, Janet, you are co-founder of the Silent No More Awareness Campaign from the States. Tell me what that means. Well, basically, uh, George Adforni of Anglicans for Life and I co-founded this campaign all the way back in uh, 2002, and we held our first events in 2003. And the concept of the campaign was to get the voices of the women who were hurt by abortion, gone through healing, and let them their voices be heard. Because uh, very often we hear about the women, you know, the, the women's movement speaks for abortion is wonderful, it's, you know, health care. And we knew by the voices of the women we had come into contact with that it destroyed their lives, both physically, psychologically and emotionally. And so uh, back in 2003, we had events in every state, and we were in front of uh, the Supreme Court in Washington, D.C. at the March for Life. And then Angelina Steenstra, who's here Canadian, she came the following year and said to us, I want to bring this campaign back up to Canada. And so we supported her and helped her ever since. And so this is our 15th year now in Canada. Wow. So this, I mean, just the voices of women who have actually gone through abortion and not found it easy and not found it a great solution. What impact does that have on the movement? Well, the women's voices, basically, it, it really uh, undoes or trumps all the political rhetoric out there. Because these are the voices who said, you know, you told me to have my abortion today, go back to school and work tomorrow, no big deal. But it wasn't a big eraser. It didn't erase my problem. It created all these other problems. But the women speak out for several purposes. Uh, one is to change hearts and minds. Another is to reach other women and men, who, especially the women, who are locked in this sh- silence of shame. Because... Let's face it, you have an abortion and then you have all these problems, but everyone else is saying, oh, it's wonderful, no big deal. You think there's something wrong with you, you're afraid to speak out. But hearing these brave women's voices speak out, it encourages other women to say, oh, me too. It's like me, I feel the same way. So it acknowledges their feelings and allows them then to seek healing. And there's a great uh, website you can go to, uh, abortionforgiveness.com. You can find healing all over this uh, country, all over the world, actually, where we have the healing resources. Do you do women come to you typically, or are are you reaching out to women? Like how do how do women find out about you? We have a website, SilentNoMore.com, and uh, on that site you will uh, see an opportunity to uh, register your regret anonymously as a step one. Uh, if you want to tell your story, you tell your story. In the following year of the campaign, uh, 2005, we have the first man come forward and give his testimony about regarding lost fatherhood. And now through what we call the uh, shockwaves of abortion. And we have grandparents, siblings. It's a whole myriad that the whole family is affected by this abortion. You know, at the epicenter is the death of the child, but it reverberates out through the whole family and really through all of society. 
Thank you, Janet. Okay, God bless. Okay, so Angela, Angelina, you've brought this group Silent No More to Canada. Why was that important for you to do? Well, I had an abortion at the age of 15, and I had been involved in post-abortion ministry for quite a few years already, and I knew the value of testimony and the value of testimony to break other people's isolation, loneliness. And so the value of breaking that isolation is for people to find hope and healing, to get um, connected to post-abortion healing ministries so that they can integrate the grief and loss experience into their lives. Because often abortion, it's a death experience that, that goes underground, that becomes impacted, disenfranchised grief. And it, it affects their life. It's buried alive. So I brought the campaign to Canada because I knew men and women that might be ready to tell us their story of post-abortion healing and to reach out to the 100,000 men and women in this country every year who surrender to abortion. There, I saw a counter-protester earlier that had a sign that said something like, relief is the only thing people feel after abortion. What do you say I to that? I saw that sign. I saw that sign. And I can say that at some level, it's true because a person's in a crisis. When you're in a crisis, the level of cortisol in your body, all the adrenaline going through, it just keeps you up in the air. So there is a relief. It's like, oh, it's solved. But that doesn't last very long. I had an abortion at 15. I felt the relief that all that anxiety was behind me. But then, then began the reality, what did I do? And then that pain started to override the relief. So how did you move from having an abortion, f- feeling everything you felt, to now leading this national movement, really? Like, uh, it's very courageous. And how did you eventually come to just sort of own that experience and say, I regret this? Well, um, I bottomed out and was suicidal. I made a phone call to a Christian helpline. And I was invited to face the truth, honestly. So I did. I, I recognized my abortion to be sin, the end of a, of a human life. And that repentance turned me away from the cliff of suicide, and I started walking inland, so to speak. And then I found post-abortion ministry, and I began to gather up the story, personalize my child, humanize, name, grieve, have a memorial service, And eventually I was in a place of wholeness where I could start walking with other men and women. And that's what happened. And those other men and women are here today. Some of them, this is their 14th time coming to Ottawa to tell the truth about what abortion did to their life, but how they found healing and how they become a witness to others, to to draw them out of, of their pain into healing so that they can speak the truth. So you really, what you're sharing is a message of hope, it sounds like. Absolutely, because we would link people. If you go to our website, silentnomoreawareness.org, there's two links, um, abortion testimony uh, and uh, abortion forgiveness. It'll link people to post-abortion ministry and to the testimonies. And we have 100,000 abortions that happened since last May. So somebody is hurting. Sometimes that can go underground for seven or eight years, ten years. But when it does surface, we want people to know they're not alone and that help is available. And there is hope after abortion. And 
in God's mysterious ways, he can use it for good. Romans 8, 28. All things work unto good for those who love God and live according to his purposes. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To listen to more and to subscribe to Faith Today, Canada's Christian magazine, please visit www.theefc.ca forward slash faith today.